Welcome one and all. We have returned after all these all these months. We have returned with buckets of ale and all sorts of tonics for everyone to enjoy. So grab a drink, everyone. The Tiki Bar is about to sail around for another no, for another season. Our topic this evening is the death of the self and of selflessness. It's quite an interesting topic because I think it's uh, I think it's come to a known that uh, people have become quite a bit uh, self-centered these days. I think people's self-interest has become more and more prominent, and because of it, it has become uh, a rising issue, just so to speak. <laughs> what say you, good sir? I know there's not. I know that's a <coughs> rather short uh, introduction, but no, I think you. I think you summarized it pretty well. I. Never, never feel bad about a, about a, a point well made in a, in a short amount of time, especially with that kind of situation. Uh, but as we as we nestle ourselves into our, our bar stools and get things, you know, started with our new season, it, it is something that we do have to actually contemplate on, especially with everything that has gone on in the past well three years now with COVID and everything. There's a certain amount of survival instinct that we've kind of been leaning on with a lot of things, especially as we've been in. Various states of lockdown, depending on where you may may it may exist. Survival instincts may be one thing, but is compliance towards the uh, set said survival instincts is quite another, especially with how policy has been being run. Whether or not you agree with such with such methods, um, it is the dubious it is the dubious um, uh, political flavorings of. You know, doing so for your fellow man is where things are dubious at best for me and completely shady and underhanded at worst. Well, isn't that the exciting part of hindsight? It's uh, quite clairvoyant. Only only if you're, you know, able to do something about it. But that's the thing about hindsight. It's already done so long past the, uh, you know, the aforementioned ability to you know, to rectify such course. True. Very true. <clears throat> but with regards to that sort of thing, I believe those survival instincts have melded into the more self-absorbed aspects of, of human nature of late. In the past, I'd say since really the social media has been a thing, there, there's been a rising level of narcissism that has been taking place. But I want to, I want to feel like within the past 10, 15 years, the narcissism has become much more of a self-absorbed nature to the point where it's to the exclusion of all other, all other humanity that people do things now. And to the rare few that people actually feel the needs to go out of their way and do things for other people to the point where if you look at it on social media or even on like, say, YouTube, such rare occurrences are seen as a, a shining gem in a sea of people who would, you know, kick their own child, you know, their own brother down the stairs for a thousand dollars if it would get them any kind of clout. And I'm not, I, I, I don't know specifically where I would like to 
put the blame on that sort of thing. Can you actually blame something like that on a particular ideology? Or is that something that is innate in human beings? In my personal opinion, let's, let's understand something here. As a social species, we are in many ways instinctual, instinctively required to actually cooperate with one another for mutual beneficial growth. Whether it is the uh, the creation of society, whether it is to the harvesting of foods, and agriculture, and all sorts of different, uh, um, essentially different um, sociological uh, uh, milestones. But all that is, in some aspects, only done so at the behest of individual survival. Are we not, considering how advanced our society has become, technologically wise, could we just be seeing essentially a burst of stream, for instance? Like, essentially, aren't we just seeing the cracks exhibiting of what we were always, uh, what we'd essentially have always been? If you're talking about the baser instincts of human nature, I would say you're you're more talking about are we are you so the question you're asking is is the facade finally falling away? That's what I'm saying. Yes, I would agree. So only in the fact that we have found ourselves in a very peculiar position, as this is something I've talked with other people about. Technology has gotten to the point where the majority of things are being done for us at such a rapid pace that we feel no need to do anything for ourselves anymore, let alone do anything for other people. People simply just don't feel the need to be bothered to do anything beyond themselves, especially when they could make a phone call, dial an app, press a button on a phone, and any number of frivolities, necessities, or toiletries will appear in front of them within a matter of minutes, hours, days, depending on the scope of what's being ordered. When you have that level of convenience, it seems completely un- unnecessary to go you know, outside of yourself, especially to do things for other people at your own expense, whatever that expense may be, time, money, resources of any stripe. <clears throat> but I feel as though with that situation, that's all the more reason that you should be going and doing those things, because there's a certain loss of being in doing that. It's the... It, it's you're essentially tossing away the more more empathic more compassionate parts of being human that's what is effectively it's effectively that lot that thin blue line that separate us, separates us from instinctual animals is our compassion and our capacity for love and caring is it now because as we have as we have studied more about um about nature, we are starting to find more and more instances of actual uh, compassion and empathy amongst animals. Um, for example, we are finding uh, more and more cases of predators who would take um, what would normally be prey and raise them as their own. We're seeing tigers raising uh, wildebeest's deer as their as their own and it's at the very least it's some semblance of proof that compassion empathy aren't entirely uniquely human 
No, but my statement is the capacity. Our capacity versus any other human, or, I'm sorry, as, oh, yeah, versus yeah. any other animal is much more expansive. And we deny ourselves that that wellspring by cutting ourselves off from those th- those ley lines. And yes, there are as many instances of prey and predator animals going out of their way and doing things that are well unusual outside of their paradigms that would be considered by our metric a tone of empathy or caring for a lesser creature, whether it be raising uh, raising a prey animal because of main for whatever reason may compel them to showing mercy on another animal for whatever reason. These are things that usually we measure things by our own metric, but maybe there's a whole nother diagram that we'd have to look at because it's something that's out of our radius of thought. Because it's an animal doing those sort of things, and their thought processes aren't our own. That would be my thought, if you want my honest, if you want my God's honest on that. But such as it is, I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned either way. I think they think at the end of the day we just need to find our way back to that. So, for our first for our first general topic, what were we aiming for? One duty to society. What is it, and why? And when is it fulfilled? What duty do we have as a society, um, and where do we lie to the response our personal um, agency towards no, towards it? Since a lot of what we talk about is purely on our own personal experiences, I don't really, I never really go out of our way to go and like look up general definitions of things because I don't think we're too far off the mark on those. Uh, but I'll ask you, what do you believe your duty to society is my as du- a person in society? My duty to society would be to essentially contribute to it in a manner that is not necessarily a threat to others. We are the, we are, our duty is only to, at best, to provide, to, pro, to provide our own personal contributions while trying to make a, to make a life for ourselves. But the only, which, which, which the biggest point is to all, to do so without harming others. Because at the end of the day, I'm an individualist, and I believe that you, I believe in building up my own life in the best way that I can, and as long as it's not harming other people. I assume you mean in in a, in a direct manner. Of course, you can only you can't you can't affect collateral damage. There's nothing you can do about that. You can try to mitigate that right. damage, but the but the point is, there are some things that I can't avoid. Right. So it's best to minimize that damage. But at least when it comes to direct damage, aspects of my life that I can directly control, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my damnedest to not to not to make sure that it doesn't harm others. Because other people have no, because unlike no, unlike certain unlike other folks who may who may disagree, I live no, I believe no, sorry, I believe that that their people are just trying to live their lives as well, and they just want to build up their lives, and with without any hassle, just like I would. Okay. We just I just accept that there are going to be difficulties in in life because there's no life without difficulty. 
Okay. Weird way to go about it, but the point is, is that my my duty is to myself, and if it helps, and if it helps, uh, as long as I'm not harming others, so be it. Yours is more of a collateral. By your perspective, it seems everything that you do is in a manner of collateral. If uh, you help everybody, anybody else with what you're doing, so much the better. And as long as you don't hurt anybody with what you're doing, so much the better. But everything in general is much more around you as a person. Mm -hmm. Which is perfectly understandable for an individualist. I completely understand that thought process. What would be yours? Um, As somebody who thinks in... I do think in certain aspects of individuality, but if I look, if I'm by my own observations, I'm very much by looking at one's particular value. I would say that you're basically just contributing to the production and value of a society, a national society versus another existing culture. So whether that be production of goods and services, um, uh, producing a family to further further the existing society that you live in down the line in the future, and that sort of thing. Now, with regards to myself, it's it's more of a paradigm thing in in that I'm honestly just trying to absorb a certain amount of knowledge and information into myself that I feel like I can be satiated in a way that. I would have nary a regret when I finally pass on to whatever comes after. Okay. Something that it's more of, because I'm more of an observationalist when it comes to the things around me, I'd rather be watching what's going on around me because the more you're able to watch, the more you're able to understand what's going on and how more able to make an informed decision. It's a rare thing. A lot of people take it take that for granted, and I don't know why. But in regards to my my, my personal philosophy, it's kind of along the lines of yours. I'd like to just take care of myself and my immediate family, ensure that and my and any family friends I may have, the people that I've chosen that are my family, and if it helps anybody tangentially beyond that, so much the better. Well, they, you know what they say, the best way to help others is to make sure that you get your ducks in a row. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's always, it's an interesting thing, because, you know, watching Tim Pool, he did bring up a very interesting point. You want to know why the reason they tell you to uh, um, put your mask on before you put on others' masks in the, in the case of a cabin air pressure being lost in an airplane? Because of hypoxia. Hypoxia is a, is a loss of uh, oxygen to the brain. Your brain still tries to function, but it's without fuel. Mm-hmm. So you keep thinking you're, you keep believing you're making the right decisions, but you're in fact doing the incorrect things. So if people are trying to talk to you and you can't understand them or do anything with them, hence why you can't help yourself if you're if you're sacrificing yourself in that regard. And if you're not in a position to help anybody, what's the what's the point? There's no value to it. So put your mask on before you put others' masks on. Because if you are, if you're not right, if you're not right in the head to be able to help them, you're you're not doing them any good. And that should go for more. That should go for selflessness too. If you're not in a position where you can help somebody, even if it's just the something meager like providing food for somebody in a situation where you might not have that much, 
Well, uh, I think I think that's what makes it a bit more wholesome, in my opinion, where you have people who do even give up the very little that they have to provide to someone else who has even less. Because that that is such a rare thing to see nowadays, in all honesty. We always talk about how people who have such ridiculous abundance should always try to, uh, you know, provide charity to others. You know, charity for charity's sake. And yet, the ones who make the loudest noise, who the ones who make such arguments, are the ones who don't actually do excuse me anything they just yell and scream because they think they're doing their parts like that one meme of that one video of that soldier girl i'm doing my part when all you're doing is just yapping because the saddest part is is that it's it's easy to just talk I know it sounds very hypocritical coming from the fact that this is the podcast that we're doing, but it's not really an it's not really a means to actually, you know, uh to um, you know, to be an activist or anything like that. It's more on the it's, it's just more of a food for thought sort of thing. It's not necessarily just something for people to you know, to think about rather than, rather than uh, uh, to proact per se. Now, if we want to look at a general meet, the general skeleton of society and what you're supposed to do, we can go to a more generic view. We can pull back and look at a general viewpoint. Your job in any given society is to uphold the laws that that society is giving you. Your job is to establish yourself in that society that you can flourish and by your flourishing develop society and allow it to flourish well that would be the actual part i abiding by the laws is something that you have to do while you're it's a condition not necessarily the uh the the thing that um that you're supposed to do that is the condition of being there to uh to to make to to establish yourself I would say not, because in in following the rules, you are continuing to galvanize them in written law, whatever they may be. Going against them in whatever way you do, whether it be inadvertently or, you know, in some sort of, you know, under undercover way, as it were, you're eroding what those rules mean. Now, we could get into a whole other conversation about, you know, rule of law and how those things are skirted, but the things that are agreed upon, at least on a, on a general level, those are things that we are meant to uphold so that society continues to function, if we want society as it, can, as it stands to exist. Of course, as we see it. Now, I mean, again, you can take that into a whole other avenue and... Well, I'm sure we could, but moving on past that, in, in regards to further responsibility, procreation is also viewed as a responsibility to society, and passing on your understanding of the society you live in onto your progeny, so that they can continue that society's function into the future. These are all continued, considered responsibilities, general responsibilities of a society, of a person in society. Is, is that a responsibility or a duty? 
same difference really if it was if it was a duty you'd be more you'd be more compelled to do it would you not I suppose, but then if we are to discuss, for example, the the, the potential collapse of the Chinese prop, population, we're looking at someone, we're looking at a uh, particular nation that is essentially on the verge of collapse due to their, uh, their 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 restrictions on um, on on birth control. Yep, and it and it blew up in their face spectacularly. There's no there's no argument with that. Something that even they themselves have had to admit because they had they have rescinded their policies recently enough that when was that I can't even remember was that two thousand ten the one China the one child policy uh, I think it was actually more recent than that no oh. I think it was closer to twenty twenty well because it's a bit too little too late if you want to be honest but. That's again a whole other conversation, but with in regards to the, the in regards to what we're talking about, that's in that in my opinion is a gross. The reason I miscalculation. Say that, the reason I say so is because as a fr if you live in a free and just society, um, that is something that is left to you completely by choice. It's not something that you are necessarily responsible to act. No, uh, you know to enact. The problem with that is, is if you do not, if you are not willing to procreate in the society and further the population of it, and you cannot rep, you cannot replace yourself within the with within society, then a a a society's government will go out of its way to replace you as necessary, because they need to for that society to continue to function at least in a shadow of itself, even if not in full power. And that's one of the major headaches that a lot of people have in the in in many societies, not even just our own, of being replaced by outside sources. And I honestly, as as, as a human being, I don't care. But do you, do you believe that the choice not to procreate upon a, upon reaching a cert, a certain age is a bit narcissistic? Yes and no. I think it really depends on the temperament of the individual. And I believe that there there are people who are much better given to child rearing than other people are. There's it, it, It's definitely a mindset. Do I believe everybody should have at least one child? No. Because if you're not comfortable with it... Oh no, it's clear that there are plenty of people out there they absolutely aren't completely incapable or i should say um they are they not incapable yeah incapable of being good parents and thus obviously should never be anywhere near a child well that's again for society's laws now isn't it as long as they're exercised effectively such as this um, we're, like I said, we're looking at general things. There, you could scrutinize every aspect of these down to the the, the nth degree, and we could be here till the tenth of never, figuring out every little you know minute flaw in 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 the formula because there are shit tons of them specifically. Yeah, yeah, outliers be damned. What we're trying to do is establish a a a framework from where we can work from with regards to what we're talking about, and for people to kind of springboard from for their own thought processes. Because if we're nothing if not purveyors of thought, 
We're trying to spark. We're trying to get your almonds activated, folks. Whatever direction they take, we don't care as long as you're thinking. Fair enough. I can I can agree to that. Our empathy and compassion one and the same. I'm starting to wonder if that's actually the case because when it comes to empathy, we are the idea is that you are considering the thoughts and perspectives of others around you and trying to essentially sympathize with that with those particular uh, folks. But compassion requires action in order for. Um, in order it requires action but it doesn't necessarily require empathy you can actually donate your time and through charity have no uh, no empathy for other people and still actually do some actually do some good works while empathy you can have all the sympathy for a person uh in the world and still do absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you're looking at you're looking at intent now, aren't you? Well, I think that's the biggest difference between the two. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I, I think one involves a, a, a much more of a turning your turning inward than the other one does. Whereas, by by your accounting. It's more of an execution in in one direction in one direction, whereas the other one's more of a taking taking stock of of other people in in contrast to yourself. No. Whether you act upon that is completely irrelevant to what you, to, to your actual thought process. Now add narcissism to the mix. What do you get? You get people who uh, who play themselves out as being uh, grandiose in. You know, in empathy for others and desiring for uh for for you know better things and yet just going back to like our, my previous statement all they do as most is speak empty words or better or worse yet they're if we go for more extreme examples be like one of those jackasses who take photos of oh i don't know let's say a homeless person and they give and and they're pretend and they're uh you know giving money to them while they're taking photos to make themselves look absolutely no absolutely generous because god forbid you cannot decide to just humiliate the person further just so that you can make yourselves look look uh, um, altruistic. Yes, and you could honestly make that statement and say that an act completely devoid of empathy is in in of itself morally bankrupt. But your your perspective would have to go and fall to the individual who's benefiting from it. And I'm not saying benefiting from it the most because if you that that would be subjective. If the individual in question in your in your example, the the uh, the homeless person who is getting this money, if they're getting a large sum of money, say thousands of dollars from this individual, do you think they care at the end of the day that this individual is is using them? No, they're they're overjoyed that they're being given something that they can actually do something with, even well, if that it's. Would... That Even if it's one... a handful of days of some kind of comfort before you know mm. something before the darkness sets back. In. That's one thing, 
But most people that would do that sort of thing aren't giving them that kind of money. They're giving them, obviously, chump change at best. They're not giving them anything anything bigger than, say, I don't know, maybe a couple bucks. Well, well at that point, if it, okay, if you're do, if you're trying to build cloud off of like a fi, a, a fiver or a tenner to a, to a homeless person, and thinking that's going to translate into thousands of dollars in clout, I mean that, that's just foolish on your part to be thinking that. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, from a purely business perspective, you you only get you're only going to get as much as you can't. You got to spend money to make money in regards to that. If we're looking from from a purely business perspective, if most of those people who are larger larger content creators on platforms like YouTube likely are spending a couple hundred dollars on a homeless person. Whether it be taking them on a shopping spree of some kind, or just handing them a large sum of money, a wad of hundreds, they're not going to be like, "Here, here's a fiver, and get out of my sight now that I've given you know milked you for all your worth." That seems kind of stupid. No, that seems cartoonish. That yeah, it's I, I maybe because I'm looking, at, I'm analyzing it from a common sense perspective. It's just you, you're not gonna, you, you won't be able to pull that kind of. You won't be able to pull that kind of watch time from that kind of situation. But that's the but thing. also, honestly, looking at it from that perspective is insane, because that's the commodification of generosity to to the nth degree, and that in and of itself is monstrous. I mean, yeah, that's true. So let's take that and apply that to, let's say, businesses as we were just discussing, because that's something that is indeed also. Um, a contributing factor we have businesses that do regular charity out there and most people tend to think that the only reason why they would do such a thing is uh tax write-offs and that is quite an interesting um perspective to look into because let's let's argue on whether or not no let's no i should say let's humor the that that particular statement. Let's just say the only reason that these companies even do so is just so tax write-offs and it adds good publicity to them. If the car, if if the if the group that they're helping is actually getting the help, does it matter? If they're actually making a legitimate contribution and doing some actual good, does does altruism still make no is something still revered and still valued in comparison to selflessness depending on who you talk to some people believe that true altruism is is impossible because there is you there is still a molecule of satisfaction derived from it even on the most basic level now i would dispute this because if you've because you what what you would have if you Create a situation where you have bred politeness into a several generations of people to the point where what they're doing is almost like second nature. To like you know dropping a you know a five in someone in someone's panhandle uh, bin or buying a sandwich for somebody. You and you've taken all of the ego out of the experience. You can achieve true altruism because 
the thought process is just you're doing it reflexively at that point. You're devoid of any particular motivation beyond the fact that you should just do it. I think that... It becomes a reflex. I suppose so, but I think you're only make, giving that consideration in a vacuum because given given the real-life factors that you have to put in, it seems almost laughable to even consider that altruism could even be... Uh, generated within a few generations amongst people i would dispute that i know i i know it can happen i know it can happen because i've seen examples of it is that so it is uh i didn't have to show my son more than a handful of times to hold a door for somebody he just does it he doesn't sit there and wait for thank you he barely responds to people when they thank him he just holds the door for people. He does nice things for people because it's a reflex for him now. He's not doing it for some kind of motivation. Not that I'm aware of, that you, I've ever seen. You would consider things something like holding a door for somebody altruism? But taking an obstruction away from somebody so that they can go go unimpeded into a building? Yes, I would say so. Okay. If you're looking... True altruism doesn't have to be parting the Red Sea so that a group of people can escape. You can, At the end of the okay. day, it could be something as mundane True. and banal as just doing that. Perhaps, perhaps this is my cynicism looking into it here, because most people would not consider that to be altruism. Most people would consider general good works, things that would significantly help others, would be considered. They would not think of something as minor as holding a door for somebody to be considered altruistic. A single drop of rain creates the largest ripples. Something, something motivational. And when you look at... That's fine for a retort, but at least, you know, actually say it with some enthusiasm. I would, but 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 I... Uh, if, if for people who don't know me, I'm very cynical when it comes to extremely inspirational things because they're very sappy. And w- with regards to that, at least uh, uh, when you, the smallest pebbles create the largest ripples, is the actual saying. I'm only saying it for this particular one because I do agree with you on that particular aspect. It's more on the. <laughs> it's like it's almost like you're diminishing it just by being very unenthusiastic. Should, but that's about the point. It. it should be diminished. Altruism in and of itself is the is the complete and utter lack of ego in doing something for somebody. You can look at people think of altruism like you have to do these grand things and be completely devoid of any ego in doing it. No, doing anything nice for somebody or that we be perceived as a nice act, a good act for somebody, and having absolutely no stake in what you're doing. In my perspective, because again, this is subjective. People could have a completely different perspective on this. My perspective on it is it's devoid of ego. It's devoid of a driving goal to do those things. It is a reflex that you are doing a good thing for somebody, whether it be, you know, working at a soup kitchen because it's just part of what you do during a day, whether it be holding a door for somebody, putting someone's groceries away because you see them struggling. Or in my case, because I'm 6'3", getting something off the high shelf for somebody who's extremely short, which I do all the time. I don't do it because I give it because I'm satisfied by doing it. I'm doing it because I see a situation and feel like it needs to be resolved. <laughs> I don't get any. I don't get any. I personally, not anymore at least. I don't get any satisfaction out of it. And true altruism, if you look at it. 
you can eventually become so desensitized to the process because you've done it so often that to an extent it's a level of altruism. Maybe because there's no pomp and circumstance to the process, maybe fe people feel well, the... it's not near that it's not true altruism. Maybe that they're supposed to be. People have this very weird perspective that like your third eye is supposed to split open and you're supposed to ascend to the sky because you've achieved true altis altruism. Like like it's some kind of level of enlightenment. I don't know. It's because when you're young, I should say, when you're a child, the best way to teach people. The, the way to teach children uh, how to be uh, kind towards others is to show them that how rewarding it is to actually be kind to others, to actually do good works to others. You got to teach them that it's actually worth doing so. But that, because yeah, that in and of itself destroys altruism in and of itself, because what you, you just said is completely anathema to what altruism is. Antithetical, yes. But they're doing so through the manner of how a kid could possibly, how a child would think and it's not right. on a selfish grounds because, because when you're a kids, child kids are selfish. are selfish they're built into it because it's a survival mechanism they're in their belief structure it's built into them i need to survive by doing these things for me this is why the golden rule is how it says do unto others the way you would want do, done unto you the way the idea is you want people to treat you nicely right so you treat others nicely yeah, the problem with that is, is that nobody cares. The, no, once you get to that, no, no, once, no, no, no. there's a point to it where they stop caring about that. Yes. No, no, no. The problem with it is, is in, in that the, that philosophy, which derived from the Bible in and of itself, at least in part, in part, I'm sure there are other... Oh, yes, there are other works in which that is done. It's not... It is not but that's the, the most notable. It's the most, the most people, common. Right. The problem with that is, is that people have basically sidestepped that by basically stating that well, I don't want to deal with other people. See, when you've created entire generations that don't want to interact with other human beings, they don't care if they have to deal with, have to do nice things for them because they don't want to do nice things for them because they don't want nice things done for them. They want to exist in their own within themselves. A level of narcissism that is well beyond it. Narcissism, in my in my viewpoint, is being a being the center of the universe for other people. But when you have a bunch of introverted people, they, the narcissism is: I just want to be by myself, doing things for me, only me, all the time, ever. I don't ever want to do things for other people. So when you that do onto others things, that they're never going to interact with other human beings if they can help it, so they don't care. That that's one of the major things for major headaches for me is like, yeah, you, you know, you could do nice things for people, or you could just stay in your house and never leave, and you know, you know, buy you know Uber Eats, so and they'll leave it at your front door, and you'll never have to talk to them, and even your tip never is never gonna, you know, the, the tip you're giving them is digital, so you never even have to interact with them, and your review is digital, so you never even have to say anything to them. We're divorced. They're divorced completely from the entire process of human interaction, to the point where you they don't have to ever be selfless in any meaningful capacity. Because why would they need to? They never even have to leave their front door. Ironically, it is essentially dehumanizing others for their sole benefit. But then you're dehumanizing yourself. You're stripping away what makes you in human what way by stripping stripping away other people. 
I think it's the other way around. I think they're essentially idolizing themselves. They're essentially feeling like they're ascending to godhood. But they're not, because they don't know what it is to be human. They only know what their interpretation of humanity is based on their own perspective. They don't really care. They don't, but they're not human in and of that. In and of that. They're, a reclu- they're a recluse. They're hermetic. And while you should spend time with yourself in your thoughts, if you talk to any of these people for any extended period of time, most of them can barely, can barely stand their own thoughts. Because most of them are so unhinged from their own thoughts that their brain starts to grow teeth if they're left alone with their own thoughts for too long. Which is the most interesting paradox for the majority of them. I've been going on VR for a bit. You'll meet a bunch of people who are very social on VR because there's a barrier of of digitization that allows them to be more social. And they let a lot of their insecurities out with very little very little pushback you know what they say which is the mask the thing that covers your face or the thing that is your face Uh, true that and a lot of them say bold face like i I ever have if i never have to interact with other people i don't okay then how do you know what it is to be human is my question well my parents teach me it they can only teach you so much they only can teach you what they know the world teaches you what it is to be human. The world teaches you everything else, and they can only teach you in one way. Hard. Painfully. And you have to be able to bear it, because if you don't, well, it's, some people call it a ticket out of here, I suppose. And that's truly the most depressing aspect of it. It's, it's we're, we're cutting ourselves... I've stated many times on the podcast, we have become globally aware at the cost of being locally blind. And our immediate surroundings outside of our house... It's all in the pursuit of convenience. Oh, of course. The cell phone phone that we used to use is nowhere near the level of advance that the the smartphones we're holding in our our mitts right now and that I'm recording on are not even in the same ballpark. But I would trade all of that back for that cell phone, if only just to feel not nearly as rushed. Things feel so much more rushed. I feel like I can't sit down and talk with anybody anymore without blinking and my entire evening disappearing in some kind of YouTube haze. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. But but the problem with it is that the stuff I'm watching are other people's narcissism. And it sickens me to to no end, but it also fascinates me, because human because human suffering is a delicacy. <laughs> I mean, if never it, heard if it, it quite put that way. I mean, if it wasn't, why would we be la- why why in the nineties were people laughing at America's Funniest Home Videos so much? Well, generally because they were assholes. Well, that means also they also had the opportunity to put in their own nonsense for uh, for the chance of winning money. Because, of course, to them, it was that much easier to just earn $10,000 by ridiculing themselves. I mean, I could agree with that sentiment. I'm sure Bob Saget had a laugh being able to just watch all of of America make an ass out of themselves. Just for a quick, quick couple bucks. Then again, 
I'm not. No, I'm also not that very same comedian who is known both as being one of the dirtiest mouths in all of comedy and also one of uh, America's uh, hard home dads. <laughs> Talk about living and living a double life. May he rest in peace. Indeed. <sighs> I guess in summary for for this particular segment, it's. Intent and action are the two defining factors of the two things that you've asked for comparison of, and I think at the end of the day you'd agree. Uh, Yeah, I would say so. It is one of the very things that, in my opinion, often fuels the... um, It fuels the the people's drive into doing such works, but uh, it also increases a... uh, the narcissism that they have amongst themselves when a uh, when the intent is anything other than genuine. Agreed. Is narcissism overtaken introspection in modern society? Oh, hands down. With very little thought process, we can definitely agree with that. The question is, how and how bad? I think it's a paradox, really. Oh, how do you feel that way about it? Well, if there's anything that history has shown us, it's that people absolutely adore the uh, ability to, you know, play off for the masses, desiring to, uh, d- desiring better for the people, only to, only to get nothing more than uh, a giant ego boost for themselves. We see it everywhere on social media, people shouting, wanting for things to improve, championing causes through the most minute and minor ways and yet all they do and all they seem to desire is nothing more than a couple but a couple presses of that computer screen and show those numbers grow yeah it's a hit of serotonin for them in some cases it's potentially a, a increase in fundage for them depending on what they're Intent is. It's the same ridiculous historical game we play. We're just playing it through a modern setting. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. <clears throat> my my question is is at the end of the day, how do you walk? How do you pull away from that from that edge? Well, it considering that it has been essentially, excuse me. Over 10,000 years, if we want to talk about since the earliest of uh, civilizations, and we still haven't gotten away from it, I'm fairly certain this is not going to be something we're going to be letting go anytime soon. It's quite a drug for a person to intake. After all, if we go back to Legacy from our, fir- from our episode back in, uh, back in our first season, people have an innate desire to be remembered. And what better way... And they all don't just want to be remembered. They want to be remembered in a certain way. In a way that they can feel themselves proud. My question... My, my statement to that is is that it's... It, that's purely based on personal perspective. Of course. Because... It adds to the narcissism. Well, it, it's also... It, that, that also is... A tied to a religious belief, I would imagine, as well. Because you're in, you're, your belief at the end of the day is that you will be in a state of mind to be able to take pride in the fact that you have a legacy left behind. 
if you don't believe that what you do is something that you will remember because you will not have a facility to actually be able to take any kind of satisfaction from the future legacy you, you're, you're pushing forward, then it doesn't matter what, what, what you end up doing. That, that there's a certain level of ego death that you have in regards to the, the works that you do. Or if you're if you somehow manage to achieve something actually significant, you'll actually get to live out that uh, that legacy, if only for a short while. I mean, if you really want to be technical, you can look at the artists of old. None of them have ever gained any kind of notoriety until their passing. True, but then you have U.S. presidents who still live off their 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 past glory, so to speak, even after they're no longer relevant. Well, the ones who survive, at least. Exactly. I mean, there's already one. There's already one on death's door at this point. I think the other one already passed. And Gerald Ford is actually dead. Yeah, he passed. I think in two thousand eight. I'd like to say. And uh, Jimmy Jimmy Carter is now in hospice, so he's pretty close. But he's also in his nineties, so again, a life well lived, I'd imagine. And he dedicated his later years after his presidency to basically building houses. So I think he's more than earned his uh, eternal rest, if you were looking at it from a karmic perspective. I'll never forget JC. It's a King of the Hill reference. Fair enough. <laughs> he was mistaken for Jesus Christ by one of the characters just because of those initials. Again, but, I don't... Uh, I think when you're... When, I think in a situation like that in modern society... Because fame can come, fame comes so easy these days. Oh, that is one thing that does need to be discussed. Fame is so often. If you've ever watched Disney's Hercules, one of the lessons they try to teach is that fame is quite different than honor. It's kind of it's different than respect, and the problem is that we have cheapened the value of respect. That it is almost blurred between fame and respect. And so our generation, in mine in particular, or I should say ours, but uh, our generation has become so obsessed with fame because they are so desperate for respect that they think that obtaining fame is what will give them that respect. All goes back to legacy, but, you know, you know they're trying to cash it in early, you know what I'm saying? Well, a lot of them tend to flare out like neutron stars when it comes to that anyways. And a lot of them don't want to live well, longer than they want to anyways. That's one of the things that I've... A lot of uh, content creators I've watched have made the statement, a lot of you act as though you're going to die tomorrow. It's going to be a rude awakening for you when you wake up and you're older. And it's it's a hard truth that a lot of people aren't really willing to accept. It's like, unless you're going to do the deed yourself and... You know, swan dive off of off of that pier. You're gonna keep living, and what are you gonna do as those days stack up? That stack up into months, into years, into decades. Well, that's why. What are you gonna do with all that time? Well, that's why a lot of them are taking example of celebrities who are paid significantly more, and yet they have a desire to actually make themselves known more, be known more than just mere actors. Because you know, let's face it. Be, no matter how much they want to fluff themselves up, no matter how much they want to grandiose themselves, at the end of the day, their profession is that they play pretend for us. They've been doing something that children do at kindergarten levels. 
They're just getting paid high amounts of money for it. And that's not a very... That's not a very noble thing at the very end of the day. So they often do things on the side, such as charity work, to try and make themselves feel better than how they actually feel. Well, I mean, a lot of people, it's a conscious effort to balance a, a ledger in their head. Their conscience, is a very, their conscience is a boat anchor that they have to drag around all day. As they make insurmountable amounts of cash, and while I can understand that that would be kind of a drag on people, there's a you, you have to understand, and they have to understand, and I imagine a, many of them do, that it never endears them. They have to, the, you have to do things devoid of that, no, devoid of that satisfaction, uh, devoid of any public satisfaction in doing it. Because no matter what you do, there will always be people below you sniping at you for being so high above them. Well, the thing is, is that it just goes back to that ego all over again. Because the only way you would even be able to, no, you'd be unable to uh, detach yourself is if you have an ego that's larger than your bank account. Or not having one at all. You have to go one of both ways. And in a lot of cases, most people go the first. But there are a handful in the industry who've gone the other way. Where they just don't care. They're completely detached from the process. And because of that detachment, it's given them a clarity that a lot of the people in their industry aren't really privy to. They don't care about the lavish parties and all the accoutrement that's attached to the celebrity. And it's made them... It, it's made preternaturally it, aware that there's so much more beyond it and they can use the facade that they are afforded to do whatever they need or feel they need to do for the betterment of society while having effectively a wrestling mask that they have and that they can wear that people can interpret them as. Yeah, and I can respect that. The ones who actually go and do the thing that's necessary without actually trying to play it off and, you know, essentially advertise themselves. I can respect that. Yeah, as long as they don't care about the publicity behind it. They're not looking at it as a stunt or, or a way to, you know, boost their, you know, their their, their status. Their, in, their intent is is pure. As pure as one can be they're for the situation at hand. They're confident enough to be able to, or I should say, they are... Um, they are generous enough to be able to do it for for generosity's sake and not and and not for uh for not because their publicist told them to do it yeah or for their or for their own ego the very few instance of that you would say is what genuine altruism is and that's not that's not easy to find these days no but they're also afforded a greater greater amount of you know headroom in the fact that they do have access to greater resources but i don't believe that that uh, to me a, a, an altruistic act does not have to be in, attached wholesale to what your bank account has at the end of the day you can donate your see that was the aspect of yourself see that's the question that would needed to be asked to what extent is a person owed when they become owed to um to their charity of choice when it comes when it comes to uh, altruism what do they owe to a charity what or what yes what what do they owe or if at all i mean if you want to be as if you want to get down to brass tacks they owe 
they owe exactly as much as they are willing to give. And I know that sounds very nebulous in and of itself, but that's the best way to look at it. If you go and attach a concrete number to it, and there are people who will, they will look at somebody's net. They will look at someone's net income and go, "Okay, they make, uh, you know, two million dollars a year. They should be giving five percent of their income to, you know, charities, and donating, you know, fifty to a hundred hours of their time every year to charity work." And it's like. Okay, you are now cutting into the time that they could be doing making the money necessary to give that money to charity. Are you sure that's what you want to be doing? In my opinion, At what point does it become... You have to understand, there's a cost-benefit analysis to everything if your intent is to ensure that these individuals are still being consistent, are consistently giving. It would be better served to allow them to make that decision on their own so that they continue can continue to give with consistency. If you don't care and don't want them to give consistently and just want them to give some kind of lump sum, a lot of those celebrities do that stuff all the time. They cut a single check, you know, once every five to ten years and they never think about it again. Some audiences don't even think that. They think that it's insufficient no matter how much you give in. If we look at one particular uh, creator, for example, who... Uh, he helped. Uh, he, I believe it was like five thousand people. Or a thousand. And a you're thousand referring to Mr. Point. Beast. The problem I've talked with other people about this who have a different perspective than me. The majority of them say the same thing. They don't care that Mr. Beast is doing it. Some of them do snipe him and say he's doing it for clout. In part, I do agree that he might be doing it for clout, but only in because he's trying to create ensure that. He can continue to have money to continue to do these charity things. It is a cycle. It feeds into his existing monetary base to allow him to continue doing these things. Of course. The other, the other uh, protest they have isn't to him at all. The protest to the, to the, is to the situation at hand. And it's hard for me to disagree with them when it's broken down. It's like, why are we relying on a celebrity to do something that should be provided by a greater authority, be it the government or a social service of some kind to provide that kind of stuff. Because they were demanding them to do so. I'm they weren't just that. they weren't just demanding the government. They were demanding all, they were demanding everybody who could afford it and afford it with you no know, with at, with absolute ease to put in their money. They demand they demand multi-billion dollar companies to do it. They demand politicians to do it. They demand charities to do it. They demand uh religious uh, re- religious sects to do it. They don't care. They just keep demanding that they all put in. Whoever can provide, they demand that they provide. And now they're upset that they actually provided. Right, because it's a pa- pers- it's but- another paradox. The problem with it is is that the people who are making that statement aren't the same people who are going, why isn't this group or that group doing it instead? Why, are, why isn't our healthcare system taking care of this? That is, in my opinion, that can, I can agree with that on its, on its face if you are willing to have a conversation about it and not leaving it purely as, you know, this government agency should be doing all of these things just because. Because at that point, I, you're going to lose me pretty fucking quick without any actual, you know, ex, exposition on why you feel that way. But it's a start for a conversation. 
And I can and, and start for a conversation on same topics that we have been discussing for decades at this point. Not us. I mean, like in general. I know. I know what you're getting at, and I get that. But we keep starting and stopping that conversation. That's not a consistent conversation. If you look at the conversation that's been, that's been had, they stalemate. They stalemate because we keep delivering the same argumented points on both sides. Yeah, because we are, we're arguing. There's we, no conversation. Yeah, we're arguing because we refute. We are too adamant on. We're, we're too, too narcissistic. Yes, we're, we're too ref- prideful. Too, Nobody wants to compromise. We can't compromise because we think that the other side is literally the equivalent of the alt, of the complete antithesis of all we ever believed, and thus by even giving them even something. We are essentially compromising and being hypocrites, which is completely ironic because we often are hypocrites in our own actions anyways. It's not a matter of hypocrisy. It's a matter of perspective. One of the major headaches that I see is when somebody looks across the table at somebody who doesn't think the same way that they do, they're not looking at someone who's taking a different avenue to get to the same goal. They're looking at somebody who's taking a different avenue to get to a completely different goal. And if it's not articulated correctly on either par- on either party, that's where the animosity and the, the and the the hostility comes from, because neither party believes that the, that the greater good is being viewed in the other person's eyes. Well, of course, all they see is malice reflected back at them, likely their own in most cases, because in the majority of people, when they look at other people, they only see their own insecurities being staring back at them in regards to their perspective yeah we call that projection because the only way you can because it's because they're easily able to understand that if they had the opportunity they would absolutely take it themselves which is depressing in and of itself because that means that even after you know years you know eons of evolution we still are very much self-absorbed in that regard no we're basically opportunists at the end of the day but that's what I mean. It's survival survival only, and we've never really evolved beyond that thought process. We like to stick, you know, the color, m- colorful stickers all over it and color and shiny words all over it to try and make it sound fluffy. But at the end of the day, it's all the same knives in the back of other people just to get ahead. Well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It just, it just reinforces the fact that we aren't completely separate from nature, but rather a part of it. Oh no! I've never, I, I've never believed we were a part of. Uh, no, never, no, uh, all the, broken the apart sh- from the it. sheer hubris of humanity as a whole is that we have either transcended nature or that we have detached <laughs> ourselves from nature. This is why we separate humans from animals as a general example, because even though we are ourselves animals, we are see we see ourselves as a higher class to the point where we don't really compare. Yes, we have done great achievements as a species. We have affected the environment in so many different degrees and have uh, cr- created many, many different technologies that have that no other creature has. But at the same time, we are still very basic beings, still pursuing the ever the 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 ever luxury of a simpler, easier, easier life. Yeah, and I think that just comes down to when you aren't balancing a need to grow 
with the creature comforts we're provided is where you get, get this certain level of stagnation. One of the major headaches, I think, is that there's a level of impatience with a lot of a lot of people in specific levels of academics and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm going to flip and forget the word. Another word for protesters. Okay. At least we got that part. <laughs> you're, you're you're having trouble too, right? Yeah. <laughs> you hate when that kind of stuff happens and you dead end it. We'll, we'll stick with that. Academics and... Uh, the, the protester crowd, the people who are... Activists? Activists, thank you. The activist crowd. Thank you! Yes, activists and academics. There's a level of impatience that's there that things haven't progressed fast enough. And that's because they just don't care anymore to do the level of compromise. As, as I've said before, they, don't, they look at people across the table from them and they don't want to compromise with them. They want, they want change now. Because when you live in a world where everything is handed to you through technology, in a matter of minutes, you know, hours, days... History plays an impact in that as well. If you look at history, you look at the great, some of, the great, uh, some of the, uh, uh, the great works that we've done in terms of, from diplomacy to politics to... It, everything required some sort of compromise. And the compromise that, were, that, would, that have led to those uh, essentially had created people who well they were anything but flawless <laughs> right but in those situations they had more compromises yes the and com they were much more adamant about those compromises yes but as a result of being comp being less as an example slavery because we have this entire country, this country is filled with compromises all related to slavery. And these folks, as act these activists, would, in their minds, would never have compromised. They would have all immediately pushed for abolition, according to them. They would never have they wouldn't even come close. However, given the context of the time... Given the, the the way the world were at the world the world was at the time, it only seemed fitting to actually be able to comprom to to make uh, such difficult compromises to actually push forward. Whether we agree with their decisions or not, whether we f through our own modern lenses, that is that is the draw. That it is, is the hindsight that. The, the, it is the fallacy of hindsight that prevents them from understanding the reasoning as to why they needed to be done in the first place. Right. They, they, don't, they don't understand how the omelet was made in that regards and what eggs were cracked to do so. They, they view, they view things... The problem with it is, is they, are, they are subconsciously begging for an opportunity to present itself that they can actually go back and re rewrite history how they feel like it 
by in some sci-fi method or otherwise. They see it that way. They're be, not go, but the, they're, but they're, they're not realizing that they, if given an opportunity, they would probably make the same decisions at that point that those people made then too. They don't see it that way. That's the thing. That's their perspective. Their perspective is that they're judging that they're judging the people of the past by their, their own modern lens. I know. Yes. Thus, they think that it's absolutely wrong that they act that that they went that they, that they did what they did, and thus they should be condemned for it. This is why they push hard as they do, because they don't want to see that they they don't want to be seen after they pass or once they reach you know, once they reach senior age and they're living their golden retirement years. That they were awful people. That at the end of the day, history will see them. This is why the term phrase, being in the right side of history, is so important to them. The problem with it is is the harder they push, the more they'll just end up being rotten for different reasons. Of course. Because at the end of the day, day, as generations pass, perspectives can change. We look through things critically. And thus, what their, their actions... Could be condemned by a by a completely different generation in the future. Yeah, because those individuals would likely have more information that that in that the older generation didn't have access to. Exactly, they they too will be able to see things from hindsight, and they better hope that they are that they are merciful in their judgment upon them. If that's what, you know, if if we are to take... If the karmic wheel keeps spinning yeah. the way that it is, and it's kind of on the way... It's kind of going to come off of the spoke pretty soon, um, they're not going to get that luxury. Um, but whatever. that That's that's my speculation on it. Yeah, they're essentially tryhards. That's what I'm basically saying. <laughs> right, but you're going to try so hard, you're just going to put yourself right where you don't want to be in the first place. And it's... fall flat right on your ass. And if that's what happens, then that's just a beating they've got to take. They're not going to be happy about it, but you know what? They they had no forethought. And no, they had that's no introspection. The, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's the risk you take. And the, the drawback of narcissism, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Hubris. Nature. It's life that often uh, humbles the fellow egomaniac. The problem with it is, is you have to learn from your mistakes, and a lot of these people don't. Because they're in a society that doesn't allow does not allow them to learn, because it keeps giving them the opportunity to keep making the same mistake over and over again, rather than allowing them to fail and learn from their mistakes. That was, That's the problem I have with modern society as a whole. Whereas when people fail, they shouldn't be given additional opportunities. They should be given the. They, they should no, be they should given be given. The, the, they should be given concrete. To well, pound. Well, that's the thing. the The balance needs to be that, in my opinion, that they sh- given an oppor- they should be given opportunities to redeem, opportunities to build themselves back up. Because the problem with having permanent decisions uh, or permanent consequences is you get so many incompetent people that will never get past get past a certain point. You seal off the you seal off the way from advancement just from a couple from a couple mistakes, and uh, revolution will only be bound to happen because people once they enough people that see that there is no way to advance, they will absolutely remove that barrier by by outside the social contract means. There's an old African proverb saying. Uh, People who are who are exiled from the village will burn it to feel its warmth. 
It's true. It's very true. So, in that aspect, yeah, the younger generation might be feeling that they're being robbed of something, being robbed at the end of the day. I agree with you that they do are they they are due for a humbling but at the same time the that humbling can't be permanent not if they won't not not if they are to if they are to be the future of the society they have to actually have an opportunity the ability to actually grow my problem with that is is that they have to have the facilities they have to have the mental facilities allowing them to see that they can grow the majority oh. of these pe- the majority of these people are so hopeless that how often do you hear about people just giving into despair and just taking their own lives because they just don't see a way when the majority of them if you just an interesting thought an interesting side thought you know the most you know the most fascinating aspect about uh uh, there was a documentary done about the Golden Gate Bridge suicides because there were so many people who just fling themselves screaming off the Golden Gate Bridge to end it all. Yeah. The majority of the survivors, one of the first things that they stated is is that the uh, the moment I fl- the moment I jumped off of the bridge, I immediately regretted it because everything that I was despairing over could be solved except for the fact that I flung myself screaming off of the Golden Gate Bridge. Perspective is a grand thing. Ain't that the truth. Boy, howdy, from that height, you can see a lot of solutions, apparently, as you're falling. Terminal velocity and surface tension are very interesting experiences when you're not a scientific mind. Just going to put it out there. Desperation will do that to you when you're on a when you're on a fight or flight sequence, when your life is very threatened in an instant. Even more so if you're the one who's threatening it. Well, I mean, that's the exciting part about having your own life in your hands. That's something that many people, and that's something that I commend a lot of people with, with, with who have suicidal uh, tendencies. No, not tendencies, but at least thoughts. Okay. Because they are preternaturally aware that their life is always and will always be in their own hands. It's something that they always have access to, but rather than using it as a creature comfort and allowing them to be, allowing it to be a motivator to continue living, they use it as an ultimate escape. And that again, you a lot of people they stare into that void, and most people that you know one looks left, one looks right. Because the unfortunate thing about hubris is that you'll eventually have to realize that. You can potentially fail, and it'll be on you. Well, if you fail, that's most why most people pick the most direct route when they're trying to end themselves, because if they they, they know they don't want to fail, because they know that there will be a lot of problems if they fail. I know for me personally, I may not have the, uh, may not have the the, the best route when it, at at the moment, but I'm constantly. I'm constantly struggling to make sure that I don't end up back where I was over 10 years ago. It's a good motivator. It's been quite the ride, to say the least. Well, that's the thing. Many people in my shoes would have actually, you know, finished the job, if you know what I'm saying. So, it's... 
Well, I think my tenacity has more than proven itself valuable for what it's worth. I think also that in that time frame, you realize that your support structure is bigger than you gave it credit for. That is the one thing that I failed to look into because for the longest time, I've always felt like I've always felt alone. I always felt to be a loner because that's how I that's how I see myself. I'm someone who. Uh, who mostly uh, disassociates himself from from better from from a uh, from society. I mean, for Christ's sake, I don't live anywhere near close to any of my friends, including you. I live over over twenty miles away by minimum. So to f finally start realizing that I actually have people that I can. I I can count on is a source of comfort that is both surreal and heartwarming and heartwarming and it's a confidence booster at the very least because while I absolutely am very tenacious and not somebody that is going to no it's someone who believes in achieving his dreams at the end of the day Knowing that there are people who actually believe in me, it's a bigger motivator than I could have ever hoped. It also helps that you had the introspection and the lack of narcissism to keep driving yourself forward. Well, topical. When you let life humble you, I suppose. <laughs> Truly. Well, with that, I think that has been a most fruitful return, if you ask me. Yeah, I think we actually managed to get a sizable uh, conversation in, best way to describe it. Well, I hope, Amusing. It I hope we haven't intoxicated you all, because uh, I'm not about to pay for food for freaking alcohol poisoning. Nah, we, we, we don't handle that shit. But we're also... On an island in the middle of the... Par in a paradise ocean. So if they need to dry off, they can dry off comfortably on the beach until and let the ocean waves send them to the other side. And when they awaken, they will be only befit with a hangover and maybe some random, you know, seashells amongst them. Who knows? Yeah, don't pick them up, especially if they're nice, smooth, and coiled, because, uh... Oh, cone snails are an assholes. Yeah, well, live and learn. Uh, and with that, we will leave you uh, with our closing thoughts. Try and do try as you might. We, when it comes to modern society, you, we we all have a bit of a, uh, we're all a bit a bit of uh, serotonin junkies. We're, we're we've kind of become accustomed to it with it when it comes to social media, when it comes to living our lives and just trying to get by, especially with COVID having been a thing and social media having been a thing for way longer there's there's just a so much narcissism going around that introspection will always be a thing that is always on the back burner for many people and it kills and it's and it is it eventually will assassinate you because you your 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 inner self dies when you don't actually talk with it or actually you know conspire with your own thoughts to better yourself and if we could and if i could offer any particular advice to people who may or may not 
you know, be thinking outside of their own box, try to. Try and think, try and think outside of yourself, but also intake those thoughts into yourself. Take stock of your, of your, of your inner, your inner office space. Do some, do some actual spring cleaning on that every once in a while, because many people don't, and boy, those cobwebs sure do pile up. How about you, Lando? What's your thought on it? Essentially, human instinct and survival are fueled by ego and one's personal self-interest. And it is something that has boosted humanity to what has been, to what has, we see today. And I think for us to get to this point has been, in some ways, a miracle. As I don't think in any other circumstance could we have even reached the even half the milestones that we have now, given the fact that at the end of the day, while we have many positive traits as a whole, we are often fueled more than more than not uh well ego. And self-interests. So with that being said, try not to let yourselves be succumbed to hubris and greed. I know it's rather I know that's rather basic, but I think at this point we need to start learning to shed off these instinctual needs so that we can further further progress as we go because the only way progress is going to be made at this point is if we actually start taking the very lessons that we try to teach amongst our youth such as goodwill to others and actually start applying it ourselves because there's no there's no better way to actually you know there's no better way to motivate a generation than to follow its follow its predecessor's example. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us, uh, I have personally a account on Twitter under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar if you would like to uh, check that out for updates on when we have our sessions we also have our voicemail link in the show notes we will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward as long as there are voicemails to be re- uh, to be listened to um, any further inquiries on that uh, do feel free to PM either of us on Twitter or you can go through the actual Facebook page to ask us any queries as well thank you so much to all of you safe travels to you all cast off friends